0: Check, check. Okay, it's ready. You're ready. You ready? Feeling alright? Yeah. You need a hug? You good? No. Alright. I'm so good, but I don't need a hug. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> you can have a hug anytime you want. We're that kind of friends. Welcome to the Theology on Mission podcast. We have a special guest, Nathan Clare, sitting in for Dave Fitch. Nathan Clare is yeah. my good friend from back in... Uh, well, from back in previous days.
1: Previous days. Let's, we'll we're leave it sitting, at that. <laughs> we're
0: sitting in Nathan's uh, front room. Uh, my wife and I, Sid, are hanging out here for the short weekend. There's a dog uh, running around. Hopefully, he won't bark too much. But Nathan, thanks for having
1: us. Thanks. And thanks for being on the podcast. Tell us about yourself. i um, Nathan Clare. I get to serve as the lead pastor of Huron Hills Church in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, and I'm really excited to be here and talk about what we're talking about. And
0: what are we talking about? Ten Commandments. We're talking about the Ten Commandments. What are they for? But first, before we do that, we're going to do kind of a new thing. We're experimenting. We're going to do five and five. Five and five. It's like a top five or a bottom five things in five minutes. All right, so this is five and five. This is five things in five minutes. What gets me down? About the Ten Commandments. Are you ready, Nathan? Yes. Alright, I'm starting the timer. It's five and five dominant. minutes. The first one <laughs> that gets me down is politicians demanding them to be displayed in public spaces. Yes! Why does that get me down so much?
1: Well, they aren't a political football, right?
0: Right. They don't need right. to be batted back and forth between which team no. is in power and who gets to display their colors
1: right. and their, like, their shield and right. all these types of things. It's like, ugh. Because it's not really about the commandments then anymore, right? Exactly. What is right. it about them? They're a signifier. They're a version of their religious virtue signaling.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. It is religious virtue signaling. I love that.
1: Not interested.
0: Not interested. Okay. The next one. <laughs> Number four that gets me down about the Ten Commandments is that they're an artifact of an oppressive religious regime from the ancient world. Gets me down. Why don't we listen to a bunch of people telling us what to do? That was yours, so you got to that That was mine.
1: Yeah, why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think, like, where I live, like, I've got a lot of really smart people who are just informed enough to be dangerous about this, so they see it as just, like, mm-hmm. you know, a tool, like a way to, like, Control people, or like things have changed so much in the
0: last, you know, two thousand years. So how could it possibly say anything meaningful to us?
1: Right, exactly. But you know, I don't know if murder is ever going to be a good idea. So you know, what so, you scratch so beyond that. the yeah, like what you scratch beyond the reflexive reaction. There's criticism. don't take other people's
0: stuff. Yeah, that still holds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. Number three. Number three. What gets me down about the Ten Commandments, it's that Christians, so before we were talking about maybe, you know, secular people, but it's that Christians think they no longer matter because Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. What's the matter? Why do we got to think about the Ten Commandments? Because Jesus fulfilled the law. And it's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. He fulfilled the law. We don't have to worry about the whole Old Testament. Right. So that gets me down because it feels like it's a way of saying that the whole Old Testament doesn't
1: even matter. Right. That is a problem. And if what you're just trying to say is I want to be able to eat lobster and bacon guilt-free, then just say that. But well, don't throw the whole thing out.
0: Okay, I do want
1: to say that. <laughs> you, just, you made us bacon this morning.
0: We, we're staying, as I said, at Nathan's house, and he made us bacon and eggs. That was amazing. He fried the eggs in the bacon after he made the bacon. Praise God. So good. Praise God. So Praise good. All right. Beautiful. That's right. So just because Jesus has fulfilled the law doesn't mean that the things that came before don't matter. Number four. Because a lot of times, and this is like a pastoral or, practical, uh, pastoral or practical kind of reason, that the Ten Commandments get me down is because they become the lowest common denominator. As long as I don't break these, I must be doing fantastic. Right. Right. Like, I just check the box. Check the 10 C's box. 10 C's, and I can go on my way. It's like every morning, every evening, I print out, I have my yeah. checklist. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. Didn't right. do it. Although two of them are positive ones, so then you got to say, "I did do that." That's the keep the Sabbath holy and honor your father right. and mother. But then the eight of them are the negative ones, right? And
1: you miss out then on like the flourishing of faith, right? Well, tell me more. Well, it's like faith becomes a exercise in avoiding as opposed to fully plunging into the life that God dreams for you. Right?
0: Yeah, and that's the mentality that I find. In. We're saved from sin or death, but we're never saved for anything. Right. It's just this against kind of thing. It's never for poor right. thing. All right, the last one, number five, what gets me down about mm-hmm. the Ten Commandments is being raised in California with a positive self-image. You know what? They're <laughs> just so negative. They just get me down. They are. It's, They're it's just, gonna, come on, down. come on. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't we have... We need a PR firm to kind of spin the negative into a positive. We need to kind of we need to turn these things around. Maybe we can do that in this podcast a little bit. We could do that. All right, so those are the five things that get me down about the Ten Commandments. But I'm preaching currently through uh, the Ten Commandments. You did last summer, is that right? Right, this past summer. This we did past 10 summer. Ten weeks. I think I ripped off all the good stuff from your sermon series because <laughs> I, I listened to it and I put it in my sermon series. But we're going through this, so we're like, hey, you know, we should talk about the Ten Commandments how can we understand them in a different way as maybe signposts toward life? Okay, so well, I was listening to – you listen to podcasts. Yes. But you don't listen to Hidden Brain. I was listening to Hidden no. Brain. I will from now on, though. You should. You definitely. All of you should listen to Hidden Brain. And there's this episode about this aboriginal uh, language in Australia that doesn't have words for left or right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so how do you distinguish like parts of your body or how do you distinguish like a side of a room – or which direction you're going. Uh, like if you're giving people direction, you turn left at the you know, giant tree. Uh, so they don't do anything like that. Their whole language is oriented around the cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west. And, so, and their greetings uh, function uh, to reinforce this orientation. And so if, if, you, if we saw each other, we'd say, oh, that's my, my alarm there. Oh, well, I'll cut that out. <laughs> do
1: it in post-production. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so... So if we were greeting one another, uh, we would normally say, hi, hello, how are you doing? Or something like that, right? And then you'd say, like, I'm fine because we lie about how we're doing all the time. We never actually go deep, right? Which is a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. Why do we say we're fine? So, but for them, they don't say anything like that. They say, uh, if you meet somebody, you would ask them, which direction are you going? And then they would, because they literally know which direction they're going, they would say, I'm going north by northeast, and then they would say, oh, I'm going south southwest or something like that. That's fascinating. Past- and so their whole language and culture makes them understand which direction they're facing at all times. Mm. And even the youngest children know uh, what the cardinal directions are. Like if you ask you know, someone now in the United States, they have no idea oftentimes where north right? is. I don't even know. I drove into this neighborhood. I drove into Dexter, which is outside of uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I'm sitting in your house. I don't know which way is north like i have no idea but these people always know so i submit to you in the phrase of dave fitch who always says these things but he's not here uh, i submit to you that the 10 commandments were meant to orient israel toward life i think we i wrote this down that the mission of the law is to lead us to life what do you think
1: yes <laughs> Yes. Yes. Praise God. I believe it as a friend. And not just says.
0: life, but also freedom. So, uh, and I think you yeah. started off your sermon series the same way. Yeah. God says, "I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery." Right. As the the preface or the prelude to the commands. That's right. And I just go back to that and say, he God emphasizes over and over again that He is leading us out of slavery. So why would He enslave us to a new law?
1: That's right. That's right. And he's demonstrating, when I talked about it, a singular devoted love to his people. And in some sense, it's this kind of quantum leap forward in their kind of understanding of how deities and people interact, right? Mm -hmm. So like, instead of having a God who, where all the main action is the realm of the gods and their struggle for power over each other... This is a God who's saying the earthly realm is where the action is. And you're my, you're my primary concern. You're my objectives. You're the people that I'm focused on. That this is where the real action is. This is these are my priorities, is you mm-hmm. being in full life with me. And even the assertion of, I am the Lord, your God, blah, 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 is, the, is kind of a reassertion of relationship. It presumes there's already a relationship there, right? That this right. is God's... Priority for him.
0: Well, no, exactly. And I think a lot of times we read that as like God's doubling down with his authority. Like God says these things because he's the authority and we are subservient and God is giving the law and who's in charge and now we have to serve God. But I don't think that's what's going on. Right. Right. Even the words, 10 commandments, are totally wrong. Right. It's 10 words. It's 10 words. Right. And especially... Or that you could think of them as the 10 ways, the 10 ways of life, That's or the really 10 good. words that yeah. promote life among us, Yeah. rather than the 10 commandments that, you know, if you break them, then you're, you're going to hell or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, I mean, the
1: presumption of power as the framework for the relationship is a presumption, right? Right. It's a set of prior commitments yeah, to and probably I, a, a, a set of systematic theological values that you're already sold out to before you get there and it colors how you read the text. Right,
0: exactly. And that you know, it could come from the New Testament or certain theological systems, but when we look at Israel, they rejoice in the law, right. they celebrate the law, they right. felt like the law was a good gift that God gave to them. Right. They, and so so we need to get into that space of understanding the law as a good thing, right. rather than as the law as a thing that makes us feel bad about ourselves.
1: Right. And it's not because the people of Israel were more spiritually, quote, mature or had a better understanding of who God is. They clearly did not The biblical witness kind of shows us that, right? So there's something else. There's a a calling into relationship, a calling into life. So
0: is there a way to think about the Ten Commandments as the ten ways to keep you from re-enslaving yourself? That's kind of part Mm -hmm. of the ways that we were talking about is these Ten Commandments aren't the ten ways that God now demands perfect obedience but rather, they're just like a, uh, they're like boundary markers, that say if you go past these, you're willfully enslaving yourself to powers again. And I liberated you from slavery so that right. you could live free. So right. don't transgress these, because then you're enslaving yourself. Right. So the
1: negative constructions of the commands or the words are to tell you, don't go back into that. Yes. Don't go back into slavery.
0: Yes, exactly. Thou shalt not X means. Don't in, don't enslave yourself to this, again. Right. Don't enslave yourself. So, so the first one, if we could go through a couple of yeah, the commands, maybe. The, other. Uh, the first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, right. A lot of times, this one is taken to be like um, exclusivity uh, of God in worship, uh, don't have any other idols, God is a jealous God, and things like that, although that's the second command, the jealous God comes out. Uh, so these are usually negative commands that are based around worshiping God alone. Right. And if somebody says that to me, I go... Sure. Sure. Right. That's not wrong. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's often my response. But is that the the main thing? (laughs) Is that the main thing? I'd say no, because if you don't follow God exclusively, you're basically going to open yourself up to enslaving yourself to hostile powers again. Right. God is the God of life, the God of love, the God of freedom. Yeah. And to have anyone else before yourself, before your face, before God's
1: face, yeah. is just asking to be enslaved. That's right. I have a person that I work with who says, this command frees ancient Near Eastern people from the whims of the pantheon of false gods. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And what's so what are the whims? So, like, you know, if their understanding is that the deity's priority is the realm of the celestial realms where they're struggling to have power over each other, right? They have to worship multiple gods and at the very least keep them at bay and not tick them off or at least try to hunker down and stay away because like the things that are happening in the earthly realm are all expressions of what's happening in the heavenly realm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they just, it's a fearful way to live. right? Mm -hmm. And so God's saying, don't worry about the so-called pantheon. It's just me. Mm -hmm. Right. So that that's part of the... There's this freedom immediately in the, quote, exclusivity, right? And I think, uh, maybe to make it more contemporary
0: for us, there's a freedom from anxiety. Yes. Because if, if you have whimsical gods, whether it's your current bosses or your in-laws or your bank accounts oh, or yeah, your say retirement planning... Yeah, say that. Your retirement <laughs> planning, is the account growing in the ways that you yeah, thought... Right. Uh, yeah. Those are like you. Your those are our side. gods. Now, right? Yeah, those yeah. are our gods. Yeah, you know, or your, you know, your sexual passions, or your desire for a family, or your desire not to be in a family. You're in. right. All these kind of things. They're so whimsical. They're so anxiety-producing because there's nothing stable about them. Right. And so we have other gods before. Right. Our soul is in turmoil. Yes.
1: And we're enslaved to our fears. Yes. Preach it. Yes. Yeah, that'll preach. This is going to turn into the. That'll preach. Theology on preaching the mission. Podcast. Podcast. Excellent. So. We're well, good. All right. Well, what's another one that, you, uh, that stands out to you? Well, you know, I think from a 30,000-foot standpoint, we've talked about how, like, With the negative constructions, we've had to. You have to discern what the command commends.
0: Okay, I like that.
1: And so, you know, so I think context is really important. I think one of the one of things that's really striking to me is the command about not bearing false witness, Mm -hmm. in the sense of, you know, obviously there's probably ancient tribal nomadic versions of legal proceedings somehow. It's trying to protect the mm-hmm. integrity of legal proceedings because, you know, people might not know this even today, but it's not a good idea to convict people of crimes on the claims of only one person. Well, so that wasn't just the thing ancient people believed. Yeah, irratually. you know, like, yeah. it's, it's okay. And it's okay. good not to convict people of things they didn't actually do. You know what I mean? So, like, there, there's probably that on some baseline level in view. But it's also, I think what's commended there is the opposite is life-giving speech saying Mm -hmm. encouraging blessing positive honest though right because there's a specificity about not false witness right so it's this it's this way of bearing image in the world right in a way that is focused on human flourishing right right reinforces and calls us all into that right and into, into freedom and into life and into the mission of life, mm-hmm. you know, which all goes back to the whole thing about no images, right? Which you told me about when we were doing the series of like, part of the reason why God doesn't, God That's forbids. the second command. Right, which is, God forbids graven, graven images, yeah. right? Why does God do that, right? Like, it's not about the exclusivity of worship. It's about there already is an image. Right,
0: right. right? The image is, yeah. It's us. It's us. It's humanity. Humanity, right. we were made, you know. In the image of God, male and female, he made them. So God has already given this, what I would say, like a touchable, tangible, uh, life-embodied kind of witness to himself in the world. We don't need, you know, idols of stone or wood that are placed in a temple because humanity
1: is that image. Right. And all those idols of stone point away from the image of God in humans, right? They point right. to other things. So a lot of times, right? people will say, "Well, you're not supposed to have
0: any graven images because God is invisible, God is spirits, and so you can't represent spirit or yeah." The but invisible. I like my icons. So. At, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's, a, Nathan, whole that's a whole other that's uh, a whole other conversation. <laughs> about icons, uh, right? So and then the same thing is also true for, um, like taking God's name in vain. It's usually that's just considered like for like swearing, cursing, or taking oaths or something like that, right? But really, I think there's a positive witness. If, if God's law is a law of life and freedom, and if God's people, Israel, are supposed to witness and live into that, then they're making, in a sense, God's name great. Right. And if they're violating those things, then what are they doing? They're taking his name in vain. Right. Right. But that never happens here in America, in the American church, right? No, it never
1: does. It never does.
0: Our actions don't belie or lie about... Okay, but that's not...
1: No, that's We're a whole other podcast. Die. See, like this is a very generative podcast. I want to listen to podcast. There's like going to be 16 other episodes that are going to come out of this.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so can the Ten Commandments be signposts of life, where the mission of the law is to lead us into life and freedom? You mentioned, would you say commend?
1: Yeah, people? we have to discern what the command commands.
0: What the command commands. So mm-hmm. how do we?
1: Let's let's start landing the plan. Or, or I like to say. What is the gospel in each command? What is the good news in each command?
0: Oh, good. I like So, Can you do that? Can, so you, you preach that way. What's the gospel of each command? Can yeah. you do that off the top of your head? This is a, without oh, pre- preparation.
1: Oh, no. That was last summer, man. This is like
0: preaching boot camp. It's like preaching <laughs> it's like preaching improv. Okay.
1: You have a stick. You have a, you stick, walk, okay, you have you a walk, top hat. Now you, bring the gospel. Okay. Of the you rest. walk me through the command so I, can re- so I don't have to spend mental energy on recalling all well, of okay, it. Well, okay. How about uh, adultery?
0: We were talking about that earlier, right? So So the gospel is
1: the gospel is God is commending integrity and fidelity in relationships,
0: right? Right. And and I I I think it's
1: bigger than the husband and wife relationship, even too, right? Like yes, right. But it is. I was doing research. It's a posture.
0: Yeah, it's a whole posture of fidelity, and I think it goes back to God's character. The gospel is God enters into relationships and does and never breaks them. Right. And he does everything he can yeah. to make sure that the relationship is whole and healthy and is faithful, is, right. is you know, and think life-producing. Yeah. And so the command basically says, Israel, don't commit adultery. Don't break family relationships. Don't lie right. about what your intention was with you know, your spouse right. or your children don't lie about that because I would never lie about that. And if I right. am never going to give up on Israel, you should never give up on your spouse. You should never violate that. That's gift. right,
1: which is, which is much deeper than just the moral ethical maintenance understanding of fidelity. There's, a, there's the component of constancy, God's constancy, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, it's all those moral ethical checkbox behaviorist issues and much deeper posture as well. This
0: right. speaks of who you are and who God is. Yeah. Well, let's start landing the plane. We haven't brought up love. Dual love commands. So Jesus talks uh, about the fulfillment of the law, yeah. which is love God with all mm-hmm. your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Uh, they talk about how the Ten Commandments has two tables. One is a more vertical loving God. Right. One is a more horizontal loving uh, your neighbor right. and things like that. So this is an integrated whole of like, how do we live in community right together that was the only thing that jesus and the scribes and the pharisees could all agree on right what the law was that's right they actually agreed i think that's important for us they agreed that love was the center of the law absolutely and so if we don't have an understanding of the law that fits in that space right then we got something wrong going on
1: and i think the power of the ten commandments is is that it helps people see love as practice not love as a set of abstract intentions
0: Ooh, that's good. That's another podcast. Yeah. All right. Hey, so we always do thanks for being on Congrats. to talk about the Ten Commandments. We always do not always, sometimes we run out of time, but we do uh, what are you reading? So Nathan, Nathan Claire, what you reading. Nathan
1: Claire, what am I reading? I am on like a Japanese Christian theologian kick.
0: And I'm so jealous too. You tell me these books, I'm like, Oh, I need to find time to
1: So do that. there's two guys I'm reading. Um, and, you know, like, I, I praise God for a good pastoral expense account so I can buy these books that are hard <laughs> to find, you know. Um, so thank you for that. Um, so one, one book I'm currently diving through is by an early 20th century Japanese thinker named Toyohiko Kagawa, who was back in the day always mentioned in the same breath as Gandhi and Schweitzer. Together, wow. And then I think with geopolitical issues and things like that, and just which is a nice way of saying just straight up racism, um, <laughs> he he kind of gets dropped off the scene. But he comes to America for a while. Uh, Kagawa is a um, he's kind of a Renaissance man. He writes about a lot of things from a theological standpoint. But I'm reading his meditations on the Holy Spirit, and um, it's it's just really it's written in this really beautiful early 20th century literary style, and it's just really gorgeous. Um, and very potent and rooted in practice. What's the name of that book? uh, Meditations on the Holy Spirit. Okay. And then the other one I'm reading is by a guy who's more a post-war writer into the 60s and 70s. Some people might be more familiar with him. His name's Kosuke Koyama, and he has a series of meditations called Three Mile an Hour God, and it's writing on the spiritual life and framing it in terms of worship Mm
0: -hmm. and framing
1: life in terms of relationship with God, and that's been really, really amazing too. I and just think it's important to read non-white non writers. Absolutely. And
0: uh, you yeah. also uh, put me on the trail for uh, The Pain of God. Right.
1: Yeah, that's That's another That's Koyama too. Okay.
0: Is Yeah, that's what I'm really yeah, interested in. Yeah. I think yeah, I think that's, yeah,
1: theology of the Pain of God. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where he talks about the pain of the pain of God is God's love that can suffer what is unacceptable. Mm. Mm-hmm. What cannot be suffered. Right. God suffers what cannot be suffered for us and with us. Right? Yeah. Which even by all standards, he would say sh- cannot be suffered even by God, and yet God suffers it for us, and that's His love, is His pain for us. Mm, that's yeah,
0: tasty. Yeah, tasty book. So I'm reading just a, a white of thio- white Western okay. theologian. So oh, okay, yeah. go for it. So, yeah. So I'm reading Leon Morris, uh, okay. his Apostolic Preaching the Cross. I'm kind of reviewing um, atonement theories. Uh, the, you know, I just finished teaching Theology too at Northern Seminary, and we do the Atonement Theories, but it's Lent right now. And so I'm kind of reviewing this book, which is a very high propitiation, wrath, angry God oh, very uh, cool. book. Very cool. Sorry. Yeah, I <laughs> so I'm like kind it. of reviewing yeah. it to kind of, because it was very influential, <laughs> I think, in kind of setting the tone of the trajectory of a lot of like evangelical understandings of the Atonement. Right. Uh, it was written in the 50s, late 50s, early 60s, I think. Uh, so I'm going to be re- reviewing that on Scott McKnight's blog oh, in the nice. next couple weeks. So you all could be checking that out. But I'm cool. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but it's what I'm reading.
1: Okay. Very cool. <laughs> Is that fair? Yeah, that's totally fair. I have a bonus recommendation. Okay, bonus though.
0: bonus rounds.
1: It's a great little thin little collection of essays. It's called The Transformation of Desire by Sarah Coakley. Oh. And it's meditations on different components of the Holy Week. Ooh. Realities throughout Holy Week, so it's meditations on the cross and, and Holy Week, um, and I read that every year um, at yeah, Holy Week. And Sarah Coakley's stunning. Anyway, I can't recommend her enough.
0: find anything but, yeah. by Sarah Coakley,
1: and she's really sweet. She's like a very kind, loving person too. So. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the. Theology oh my Thanks for having me. It was Nathan. great.
0: Let's do this again sometime. Absolutely. We have like seventeen more episodes that we just. That, yeah, we'll write just, them all down. Yeah. Thanks so much. This is Jeff Wolsklaw, and Nathan Kerr. You're on Twitter. Where can people find you on Twitter?
1: Uh,
0: or do people want to find you on Twitter? I
1: don't know if people want to find me on Twitter. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah,
0: he's on. He can be. He's on Twitter to be found if you can find him. i be signing off, <laughs> and we'll be back next week, hopefully sitting down with Dave Fitch. Thanks again.
1: Perfect.